says that a person plans their way and the Lord directs their steps and so really what you have to always remember is that in the Bible when it says like not my will but yours be done like that's just not like a cool idea that's like where the rubber meets the road so I want to just encourage you say Lord lead me and the beauty is that when you make your plans make them but hold them with open hands A lot of people have a life plan, whether it spans five or ten years, or it's just a list of priorities to accomplish. They've got everything mapped out. Well, today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that it's fine to make goals, but to hold them loosely. Leave room for the Lord to direct your steps. You see, God wants to lead you into amazing things, but you have to be willing to follow Him. So, let the Lord take the wheel and experience more of the abundant life He has for you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 139 as he continues his message, God is always with you. When God takes up residence in the heart of a person, then not only is God everywhere because God exists perpetually in what he has created, but now God takes up residence, he does this work on the inside of us. And that is, I believe, to use a very generic phrase, the secret sauce of what Jesus is offering a person. Because when the spirit of God takes up takes up residence inside of a person's life, now all of a sudden you are empowered from within to become what you've never been. Now, I realize some of you right now, you're like, oh, okay, Fusco. I just like dropped a big thing in the middle of the church. Like, okay, what are we going to do with this? Now, here's the thing. If you believe that God is always everywhere, but you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you have not yet fully experienced what God being always everywhere actually means. And God wants you to experience that. Listen to what Jeremiah says about this. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I do not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I love that. God's saying through Jeremiah, he's like, hey, listen, you think you can hide out from me? You think I don't know what's going on? Now, here's the deal. So first we have all religions are founded on who is God and where is God found? And we make the case that God's ultimate goal is to not be always everywhere, although he is, but also to take a personal residence in your life. Someone's bound to say, well, Fusco, isn't the Holy Spirit in everybody? And the answer is no. The spirit of life is in everybody. Go read the book of Genesis. Read the creation account. Anybody who is alive, they have life in them. But that is not the Holy Spirit. So, Because you're alive does not mean that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit happens when somebody believes in Jesus and receives Jesus, and the Spirit of God now takes up residence, and and the resurrected life of Jesus is at work in your life. Now, you may be saying, but Fusco, how can you say that? Well, let me tell you how I can say that. You go all the way back to the creation account. God's been blowing my mind with this because God's been doing a really unique work in me personally lately, right? Right? Like, and, and he always is, but I'm, I'm experiencing God's presence in very unique ways 
in this season right now. And I was seeking the Lord about some different things. And the Lord brought me back to Genesis chapter 3, a passage I know very well and a passage I've taught many times. And he showed me something that I'd never seen before, although I had taught about it and I knew it. It's the fact that when sinfulness entered the world, what happened to Adam? The first thing they realized was what? They were naked. Okay. And the Bible teaches that when they realized they were naked, they were filled with shame. Right? So sinfulness creates woundedness. For the, I mean, try and imagine in a world we all know what it feels like to feel vulnerable, to feel, you know, naked, right? But imagine having never felt the feeling of, now we don't know how, how old Adam and Eve were, we don't know any of the details, but it's like for the first time that feeling of shame, right? It creates a wound. And that wound, what's the next thing that happened? What did they try and do? Hide from God. <laughs> yeah, see that? So sinfulness creates woundedness, which drives us to hiddenness. We try and hide. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? See, the very first thing that after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which all of humanity has done because of our first parents, we all, we have this, we're born in sin. They call it original sin. It, mean, it doesn't mean that you're the worst possible person. It just means that you've never been the best possible person, that you received a sin nature from your first parents, which goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Your parents, they were part of it too, so are mine. As parents, we're part of that story, Right? Sinfulness creates wounds, and wounds make us want to hide. In Genesis chapter 3, the reason David could ask this, and the reason people struggle with the omnipresence of God is because we are wired because of our own woundedness to hide from God. How many of you can say, at some point in my life, I was hiding from God? Yeah. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, you were raising your hand in your heart. Because you know it's true. Now, here's the deal. Once you come to know Jesus, guess what we still do sometimes? Try and hide from God. It's like David. Remember when he sinned with Bathsheba? Tried to hide everything. Sure enough, he raised up Nathan the prophet. Nathan's like, bro, you the man. Not in a good way. Because he thought he could, like, we do this. And so what's so beautiful about this is that when you realize sinfulness leads to woundedness, which leads to hiddenness, and ultimately hiddenness ends up leading to division. God put Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. They got expelled from the garden. Unless they eat of the tree of life and they live perpetually in a state of fallenness. And Adam and Eve, there's all this division between Adam and Eve. There's going to be conflict. There's conflict with work, all this stuff. And then into the midst of that world, Jesus comes on a rescue mission to live perfectly, to take the sins of the world upon him, to die and be resurrected, so that what was now, what we were expelled from, he could bring us back to. So this principle that God is always everywhere, I want to start for each one of us by saying, whatever you do, stop hiding. Because even when you hide... It's like, you ever play hide-and-seek with a little kid? I love playing hide-and-seek with my Annabelle, because Annabelle is so much fun. So Annabelle, if she's hiding, you can hear her giggling. 
because she doesn't think anyone knows where she is. But I'm like, you're giggling so loud. Like, you know, or you ever see like when little kids play hide and seek outside, invariably there's like a big kid behind a small tree. Like it's be like me, like nobody from Crossroads can see me. Can anyone see me? And I'm like hiding and I'm like, no one sees me. You guys see me? Did I look totally awkward? Totally, right? Nobody thought I was hidden, but sometimes I can pretend like I am. But it's only pretend in my own mind. So brothers and sisters, listen. Because you're never truly hidden, let's stop pretending that we are. God's always everywhere that you are. Always. It begins with two questions. Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Now, keep moving on. Look what it says. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Now, what David does here is he looks at three kind of ways you can try and escape from God. And and he looks at it based on a series of what we could call kind of polarities. You have up versus down, the idea of heaven versus, it's translated here as hell, the Hebrew word is sheol, and I don't want to get off on a, a long excursus about the different words used in the Hebrew for that word that we translate commonly hell, Sheol, Gehenna, there's all these different words that are used. They have all different implications. But the idea of heaven is up and hell is down. Then you have east and west, right? You have this picture of, you know, if I take the wings of the morning, the idea is if I, if, if I have like wings of a bird and I'm running at the speed of light when the sun is breaking forth on the horizon, Right? So you have like, you know, kind of east and west, and ultimately he lands on this idea of darkness and light. So he uses three kind of seemingly distinct things, poles. It's like, it's like if you're like a Seahawks fan or a Niners fan, right? It's like, it's like if you're a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, right? It's like these things that don't, they, never, they, they don't meet together, or they seem not to, Right? He's used all of them to, 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 to bring forth this reality that God is everywhere. No matter where I am, Lord, you're there. But what's amazing is, is as he gets into these different hypothetical examples, he ends up landing in verse 10 by saying, listen to this, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And really what it's saying is that the God who is everywhere always, the Lord desires to lead and to protect you. So whether it's up or down, left or right, dark or light, either way, the Lord wants to lead and he wants to protect. Now, that's pretty awesome because you could imagine, I mean, how many of you read 1984? In high school, college, some, how many of you read the Cliff Notes? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. How many read a book synopsis? So, so there, there's one phrase that we use commonly as a culture from 1984, and it's simply what? Big Brother is what? Is watching. And if you don't read 1984, that's what you just need to know. 
right? Big Brother's watching, right? How many of you feel like we're living in 1984 in 2021? There you go. We'll leave that on the side for you to dabble with later. (laughs) There's nothing worse than when Big Brother is watching when Big Brother has ill intentions for you. It's horrifying. But there's nothing more glorious than when the person who is watching you, loves you, is for you, wants to lead you, and wants to protect you. And the God who is always everywhere His intention on always being with us is to lead us. Now, here's the deal, my friends. God can't lead you if you are content to lead yourself. And this might be the hardest part of being a Christian in the West because so much of our culture is driven by you can do it your way. We have infinite options you go to like a, you know, a life coach and you design like, this is my plan. And then you're like, I'm going to lead my life. And you come to Jesus and Jesus is like, yeah, if you lead your life, you can. It won't work. And we're like, but it will work. No, it won't. Even sometimes when it works, does it break apart? Yeah. You can't be a follower of Jesus and lead yourself, my friends. I don't know about you, but I get tired of trying to lead myself sometimes. You know, I have so many examples of when I led it myself and I landed in a spot I shouldn't have been in. (laughs) You know, and so the the longer you live, the more you realize, like, man, there's a way that seems right to me. It's just really not the smartest way. Like, I have plans. And, of course, the Bible says that a person plans their way and the Lord directs their steps. And so really what you have to always remember is that in the Bible when it says, like, not my will but yours be done, like, that's just not, like, a cool idea. That's, like, where the rubber meets the road. So I want to just encourage you. Say, Lord, lead me. And the beauty is that when you make your plans, make them but hold them with open hands. Because if not then you begin to try and enforce your plans. And if you read your Bible, if you do that, God will let you until he won't let you anymore. Like God didn't stop Abram and Sarah from getting Hagar involved in having Ishmael. God didn't stop the children of Israel from not keeping land Sabbaths for 500 years. But in each one of those, at some point, it all hits the proverbial fan. And the problem with leading ourselves is God will let us until at some point he's like, yeah, we're not going to keep going like this anymore. So the best alternative is to say, Lord, you want to lead me. Where are we going? And not only does God want to lead us, so much of God's plan for each one of us is that he wants to protect us. And, and I think, you know, um, this might be the most profound reason why God says no to a lot of things that we want. I would like to say that God loves us enough to not want us to hurt ourselves. And there's things that we don't think will hurt us that actually will. I'll never forget when, our, when, when Obadiah and Maranatha were little. I, I remember I, I, I used to just in joking love, I used to just terrorize Lynn. We'd be on the phone. I remember one time we were on the phone and we're, we're at like the playground. Lynn's out and I'm with Obadiah and Maranatha. And I'm on the phone and, and literally 
Obadiah's like got a big wheel and he's like walking up the slide and Maranatha, she must have been like two and she's in front of him. And like I'm watching them walk up the slide, I'm talking to Lynn and Obadiah's putting the big wheel down and he starts to put Maranatha on top of the big wheel. Because like he's like five, and he's like, man, Maranatha's going to have fun. She's going to go down the big wheel. She's going to slide with the big wheel. Now, listen, I know that this is not what's supposed to happen. But I also know that I'm on the phone with my bride, and I love to mess around. So I'm like, Obadiah, don't let Maranatha go down the slide on the big wheel without her helmet on. <laughs> and Lynn's just like, what? I'm like, I'm just kidding, babe. I got this. You know, but it's like. Now, I know that in that moment, Obadiah is thinking, man, this is going to be super. She's going to go so fast. It's going to be great. Now, I know that this is like a trip to the ER, right? So I stop him. Now, there's no doubt that in that moment, Obadiah is like, my dad is the meanest dad ever. I mean, it was going to be awesome. She was going to fly. Like, but I love my kids. I'm not going to let them hurt themselves. And there's a lot of things that God says, that's going to hurt you. And you say, no, it's not. And you do it anyway. And then you're like, why did I do that? And God's like, yeah, I love you. I told you not to do it. I told you it was going to hurt. I told you you were going to get wounded. I told you I had something better for you than that, but you wanted that. So, okay. And, and, and so often we think that God has some ill intent. And really what it is, it's the enemy. The devil has always been accusing God's character and why God says not to do these things. Remember Adam and Eve? With Eve, he's like, oh, man, God doesn't want you to not eat the tree of the knowledge because you're going to die. He just doesn't want any competition because he'll make you like him. And what's amazing is that Satan wasn't lying because the knowledge of good and evil did make us, in a sense, like God in a way we hadn't. But what he didn't tell you the whole story. Because all of the brokenness and woundedness and hiddenness that comes from that is so destructive that we're still experiencing it today. But God wants to lead you and protect you. Listen to what it says in Psalm 34, verses 7 to 10. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fears him and delivers them. Oh, I love that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Oh, isn't that good? The angel of the Lord encamps around, protects, surrounds the people who fear the Lord. I love that. And he delivers the people. So he's a protector. He wants to take care. And he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's my favorite. Every time I eat, I'm like, I'm going to taste and see if this food is good. I know it will be. And then I'm reminded, I got to taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's an experience. We just had it yesterday. We picked up some, some barbecue from, you guys know Goldie's? Yeah, if you don't know now, you know. We picked up some, some ribs. And if you're a vegetarian, thank you very much. More Goldie's for me. Thank you. Keep at it, that healthy, plant-based living. I'm, a pre- I'm literally, I'm grateful for you. And I hope you're also, don't eat Twinkies. Save those for me too. I'll protect you from them. But anyway, we get in the car. And you know what it's like when you put some good barbecue in the car, right? Obadiah looks over me. He's like, Dad. And I'm like, what? He's like, this smells so good. And I'm like, don't you just want to like pull over and eat it all? And he's like, should we do it? I'm like, no, <laughs> you know. 
But it, it's one thing for it to smell good, but it's another thing to actually taste it, right? And there's no doubt part of your, the way you taste this through your nose, I get all that, you know. So one of the main reasons I never wanted COVID for all the bad reasons, I didn't want to not be able to taste food. <laughs> Kept me with a mask on in Jesus' name. That's a different discussion. I'll leave that there too, <laughs> you know. But I'm like, I want to taste my food anyway. But, but, but here's the deal. God wants us to, t- to experience who he is. Not just I catch the smell of, of, of someone else. I want to experience him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy, that's what blessed means. Oh, how happy are those who trust in the Lord. And it, and it reminds us that God's got good plans for us. And right here in Psalm 139, he's saying, wherever I am, Lord, that you are, your hand wants to lead me and your right hand wants to hold me. Now, how does this apply to our lives? Look at verses 11 and 12, Psalm 139. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Instead, the darkness shall not hide from you. The night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Now, really what this is teaching is that because God is light, then you and I get to be light. Because God is light, you are light. See, David is using the idea of darkness not as necessarily nighttime, but he's using it, I mean, it is a song, and so there is an aspect of poetry to it. He's using darkness as that which is malicious, that which is uncertain. You know, God, God spoke light into darkness. But the biblical picture of light is that which illuminates. And David is saying, look, even if I dwell, if the darkness falls on me, even when it's dark, because of your presence, I walk in the light. Now, you have to realize, this was long before, you know, uh, mag lights and, and infrared lights and street lights. And, 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 you know, when the darkness hit at the time of David, unless the moon and the stars were out, there was no light unless you had, like, a, a torch. And this was long before big cities and, and, and electrical infrastructure. So, you know, if you've ever gone camping on a night when the moon is not out. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? You're like, you're just not used to that because whenever we're in darkness, we just turn a light on. And David is saying, when I am in the darkest of times, because you are God and you are light, even the darkness is light to me. And then he goes on to say, because God is God, he goes on, indeed, the darkness can't even hide from you, God, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. So although we experience darkness and light, for God, it's all just light. And of course, the Bible is full of these references. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 7. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then you have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus is real. God has the best plans for you. He wants you to fully experience His graciousness, how wonderful He is, and the depth of His love for you. And today, Pastor Daniel shared that this reality is true even when you find yourself in your darkest moments. Because God is light, even the darkest moments can't overwhelm you. 
His light shines into every area of your life and gives you what you need to see things clearly and continue moving forward. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Thanks for joining us today. Come back next time when Pastor Daniel will press on into this series called Radiant, all about the characteristics of God and how you can reflect those in the world around you. You'll dive into the topic of creativity and how much love and intention go into creative works. This reality has the power to change your life and perspective as you ponder the truth that God created you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.